Chapter 3 The hallway opened onto some sort of open-air circular compound. A lot more of the red-skinned folks were ambling about, squatting against the wall or talking in groups. Most of the talking included hand gestures. There were two other types of people in the compound, which I figured had to be their version of a prison yard, wherever here was. The sky overhead was a dirty orange, and the air felt like that of the high plateau in Bolivia. That might explain the headache and the lightheadedness, the lack of oxygen. Besides the red guys, there were a few who looked more of my type, except they were also a lot skinnier. That made me wonder if this was some kind of gulag where the food service was a bowl of gruel, and that was it. The third type made me think of a skinny troll. The hide was troll gray-green with what looked like a pattern of swirls in it, but the arms didn't look right. The joints seemed to be set unusually, so not a troll. Like my guard, they were tall, well over seven foot, a few a lot more. The heads were hairless with large eyes, all black, no whites at all. I didn't see ears, just a hole, like that of a bird, but these bozos had no feathers. All of them were wearing a similar get-up to my guard, loincloth and straps. I was feeling rather overdressed. Globlish. I got a push from behind. It felt light enough, so I ignored it, other than to take a step forward. The guard said something else, pointed to a spot on the compound floor, which didn't look any different from the rest of it, and then walked off. I stood there, hands in my pockets, looking around and trying to breathe deeply and slowly just like that guy down in South America taught me. That case also taught me a whole lot about taking on clients that did, didn't live in the U.S. of A., much less my stomping ground of Fog City. I haven't shared the case notes on that one, just think of this. Those Adtex gods, they're still around. I was thinking whoever clocked me from behind had moved me a hell of a lot further than Bolivia. One of Meb's deals again? Maybe playing Little Dimension Quest with her least favorite P.I.? A disturbance from somewhere over to my right took me out of my musings. A knot of red guys with a mix of green fellows was surrounding something or someone. Up along the top of the compound wall, some other people, both sexes this time, all red types, were looking down, pointing and laughing as if whatever was going on was entertainment of sorts. Rational, Tony said. Just stay away where you were put. You don't know enough yet to act wisely. Made sense, but Action Tony was yelling. What if it's someone who got dumped here like you and they're trying being beaten just for sport? Guess who I listened to? I looked around. My guard wasn't guarding, so I left my designated spot and walked over to where I just was outside of the crowd. The pumping elbows told me all I needed to know even if I left off the sounds of slapping meat and cries of pain. Whoever clobbered me back in the alley hadn't bothered to pat me down, but maybe those folks don't do that here. I still had most of my Tony's little helpers, including my weighted head knocker and my wizard enhanced gun. Said enhancement, taking my gun, an FN-57 chambered for tactical rounds from mostly illegal to, oh my God, that's illegal. In a couple of other pockets, I had some goodies from which I knew down in South of Market, and a bunch of what looked like marbles from Landau Bain, San Francisco's very powerful and very hungover wizard.
They were examples of what certain persons in the Bay Area community considered magical crowd control. The only problem was you did not want to be in the same neighborhood after tossing one of those jewels. Considering my inventory as I walked over the crowd, I decided on starting with the less lethal option, my head knocker. I pulled it and held it in my right hand as I reached up and tapped one of the red guys on the shoulder blade. Hey, bozo, I called. Mumfukus? The red turned around and glared down at me. I smiled real big and asked, Uh, what you doing? He wasn't impressed. He laid into me with a big backhand, but I wasn't ready for the effect of the impact. You know that old insult? You hit like a girl? I think the girls I knew hit harder. It felt more like I'd been kitten-slapped. I really don't know who was the more surprised, me or the red who thought he'd batted away an irritant. When I hadn't even flinched, much less gone tumbling ass backward over the floor as expected, he roared out a yell and swung on me, closed fist. Having had enough of the bozo's temper, I whacked his hand away with my head knocker and got another surprise. Two things happened at the same time. I heard a cracking sound and the arm the hand was attached to snapped, breaking to about a 90 degree angle, white bone pushing through the red skin. Right after that came the scream of agony and the intention of everybody else in the crowd. All of a sudden, it was me in the center of the Beastie Boys while standing next to a huddled and bruised form the same color as me. The one whose arm I'd broken lay outside the crowd still crying out in pain, purplish blood dripping from the wound where the bone tore through. I stood there thinking, what in the hell is going on? At my feet... The victim of the gang bashing stirred and moaned something in that same gibberish the guard had used. I didn't know what else to do but reply with, You're safe now. I'll protect you. The head turned up and the eyes looked up at me. The face was human, in spite of the ears and under all the bruising and swelling. It was also female. She looked at me with what I translated as hopeless hope. There you go, Mandolin, I thought. Another lost puppy to rescue. One of the gang tried to cold cock me while I was staring at the girl. It had the same kitten slap feel as before. What they'd done to the girl set me off and I spun, a roundhouse following my movement. And again, the results shocked me. My fist punched right through the guy's chest, straps and all. This time it was one of the green guys. Yellow-green blood spurted as I yanked my fist back. If Frankie had been here, he'd have emptied his stomach. I almost did. And just like that, the girl and I were all alone in our own part of the compound. A whole lot of the prisoners, had that had to be what they were, were hammering on the wall of the compound furthest from where I stood, yelling and crying. I can't make friends anywhere. Tuklumush, the girl said. Tuklumush. I looked down at her and held out my hand, the one not covered in yellow ick, and said, I have no idea what you're saying, but if it's what I think it is, you're welcome. Above me, a considerable racket started up. I looked, and most of the folks, still all the redskin type, were frowning or yelling and pointing at yours truly. I smiled and waved back, which seemed to make them even madder. One of them threw something, but it came in slow enough that I was able to catch it easily. It was a small block of the same sort of stone the jail is made from. As the folks above me shouted and shook things at me, I looked around. 
Above the audience was a sort of coliseum seating arrangement, and then above that, a roof. Gauging the distance, I tried to hit the roof. Once again, things went into the world of the weird. The stone zipped past the audience, through the roof, and kept on climbing at a high arc. The shouting stopped. Sussumtlet, the girl exclaimed, pointing where the rock had vanished into the distance. Yeah, I whispered. Sussumtlet. I caught movement out of the corner of my eye and spun, fists cocked. Then I relaxed. All that was going on was someone had decided to open the door. The wall section was sinking into the floor, apparently not fast enough for some of the prisoners because they were scrabbling over the top as it lowered. When it finished dropping, the only one left to go through was the one whose arm I'd broken. Then a figure started walking out of the opening and headed right toward me and the girl. If any of you have ever seen that flick where a guy gets sent to hell and comes back as a disfigured crime fighter with superpowers and his mentor is this foul-mouthed, fat, blue-faced clown, well, this jolly little fellow was kind of a mashup of that clown and Friar Tuck, just minus the clown makeup and the blue skin. The guy was pink. No, not flesh color, but pink, like a flamingo. Instead of being NBA center tall, this fellow was about as tall as he was round and a good couple of feet shorter than me. He was kind of a pink beach ball with legs. He was also smiling. His teeth were bright yellow. The girl said. She didn't seem happy. I wondered if that was the guy's name, title, or an insult. He didn't change his expression at all as he neared, just kept that same mirrored-eating smile going. When he got just outside of my arm's reach, he stopped, still smiling, and looked up at me. De cultic? he asked. I just looked at him. The girl answered. Pinky blinked at the girl and then looked at me, now puzzled. I answered, huh? As if that gave him a clue, he leaned forward, cocked his head, and twirled his little finger as if to say, do some more. I nodded and said slowly, I have no idea what any of you are saying. Where the hell am I? Pinky's smile broadened. Ah, English, he said in clear, unaccented American English, and I believe from the western edge of that continent. How do you come to be here on Ares? You speak my language remarkably well, I said. Where in the hell is Ares? His smile went away, and he said quite firmly, Not hell, but this is a solar system. We are standing in the major city in the northern hemisphere of Ares, the fourth planet in the Solaris system. I blurted, You mean I'm on Mars? Freaking planet Mars? He actually flinched and shuddered. Please, man of Earth, no profanity. We do not say that word here. It is severe blasphemy. Sorry, I said, looking around. Crowd was still up there on top of the wall, but now they were watching the interview. I guess I'm waiting to see, I suppose, if I ate Pinky here. I asked, is there some place where we can go to talk? I mean, maybe get something to eat and drink? Pinky looked up at me and asked, you have no intention of killing anyone else? I could see he was serious, so I kept my face straight. I said, only if I don't have to. If I'm not attacked, I won't attack. Is that fair enough? 
I expected him to agree, but he stood there rubbing his chins as if the question was a tough one. Mm, he murmured, well, I guess we'll have to play that by arm, as you Arthurs say. Ear, I corrected. He looked up at me. What? The proper term is ear. Play it by ear, I said, tapping said appendage. Oh, he exclaimed. Is that what all of that additional cartilage is for? I leaned to the side to look at my he leaned to the side to look at my ears. It was then I noticed he was minus all of that additional tissue. Just like the reds and greens. Back to the question, I said. I'd really like to get out of here. I pointed at the girl, and she comes too. He glanced down as if noticing her for the first time. Oh, of course, he said, smiling again. As you wish. The girl was still sitting on the floor of the compound. She hadn't taken my hand, and honestly, I wasn't surprised by that. What would you do if some sort of Superman showed up while you were being mugged and proceeded to literally punch a hole into one of your attacker's chests? Take that hand? I don't think so. I didn't want to take the time to argue through a translator, so as gently as I could, I bent down and scooped her up. She squeaked in fright and fought a little, but she may as well have been fighting against an industrial robot. To me, she felt like she weighed about a pound, if that, and I think I've held stronger guinea pigs. I held her in my arms like a June bride and said to Pinky, All right, where do we go from here? He glanced up, obviously, at whoever was up there above the wall and then shrugged, a universal gesture for any species with shoulders. Then he smiled up at me. This time it looked forced. This way, please, he said, gesturing and turning back to face the opening in the wall. The girl had stopped struggling, and since I hadn't used her as a snack, I guess she settled down. She looked up at me and said, Siltanar. Yeah, I sighed. That's me all over. Siltanar. You bet. <laughs>